Okay. Well, I officially say good morning. Got to say that every time. That's what I do. Um, we've been, uh, over the last few weeks, we've been uh, asking ourselves this billion dollar question who am I? And uh, that's a question that, depending on your worldview, uh, is going to have a very different answer. Like, say, for example, um, that you, your worldview is that there is just the, the biology, the physical, there's no uh, spiritual realm at all. Then saying that question, who am I, is, is going to look different. And how you respond to that and how you define that is going to look pretty different. Because basically, if, if there is no spiritual, if there's nothing after or beyond what we can physically see, then basically what you see is what you get. This is as good as it gets. And so you've got to kind of figure out in the midst of that how you fit and you do that on your own. Right? But maybe you do think. Maybe you think, okay, well, yeah, there's something out there. There is some kind of aspect. There is a spiritual realm or, or something. So that can still, depending on your worldview, how you answer even that question. Maybe it's that you spend some time through knowledge and understanding that you're able to better yourself and you're able to, uh, you know, achieve a higher level of consciousness or whatever it might be. Or maybe it's through uh, your good works. You know, you're able to work yourself and you, you do these works that, that help identify who you are. And um, so, once again, our worldview and how we look at what, you know, is around us and how we see how we were created and all of that really affects who we are as a person and how we answer the big questions of life like who we are, why are we here, all those kinds of things. So as followers of Jesus, we believe that our identity is in Christ, that we are found, our identity is completely found in him. And we've been talking about what does that mean? What does it mean to be in Christ? And what does it mean to be in him and to stand in the fact that we are in him and, and how do we how do we allow him to define who we are and our identity in him? And we talked the first week about being crafted by Christ. So this idea when we're in Christ that we, we belong to him and he's just this amazing craftsman who works us over and, and over time and, and changes us into his likeness as we go. And he doesn't just leave us where we're at, but we're able to overcome sin and and, and, you know, all kinds of stuff in our lives and wounds and pains and suffering because of how he works in our lives. So we're crafted by Christ when we're in Christ. And then last week we talked about the fact that we are saints. When you're in Christ, you are a saint. And you might think to yourself, ha, yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. Because, you know, you might know your own life and you might know the condition of your own heart. And you think, I'm not even close to being a saint. But... As we talked about last week, being a saint has nothing to do with your works. It has to do with his work. And that's the interesting thing about Christianity. You know, we talk about, you know, all kinds of different religions and philosophies out there, and everyone is a religion of works. But Christianity is a religion of works also. It's just not our works. Christianity is based on his works and what he does for us, what Jesus does for us. We can't work our way into the kingdom of God. We can't work our way into being in Christ. We have to receive him and this gift of grace. So we've been talking about all of that. And today we're going to look specifically at the fact that we are God's children. Now, you might think to yourself, well, isn't everybody God's children? I mean, God loves everybody, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, right? And that's true. God does love everybody. And in a generic sense, we are all God's children in the sense that we were created in his image. But there's a difference between being created in God's image and being a child of God who is actually in his family. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And how does that affect us? What does it mean to be a child of God? And what is it, how does it affect our identity? 
and how does it affect our lives, and how does that change us? So the first thing is to be in God's family means we need to be adopted. We need to be adopted into his family. Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. I really love that scripture. It's like there's so much in there about God pursuing us, that from the beginning, God wanted us to be part of his family, and he made a way through Jesus Christ. And it's what he wanted to do, and it gave him pleasure. God was really excited about getting you to be adopted into his family. So from the beginning, there's always been a plan. God didn't go, oh, human race screwed it up again. (laughs) Well, let's just wipe them. You know, he didn't do that. He created a way for us to be with him for eternity, to be actually part of his heavenly family. So when we believe that Jesus is the son of God who died in our place and rose again, that's part of what being adopted into the family says, right? We believe and then we receive. So this, um, I'll show you the back up. How does that actually happen? John 1, 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I forgot to read the scripture first. It's like, hey, I'm going to explain a scripture that I didn't read to you. So that was just a little weird. But backing up. So yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So the first thing is that you believe. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You believe that he died and rose again. That's part of being in Christ. And then you receive. You acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior, and you put your trust in him. That's what it means to be in Christ. And that's what it means to be, you know, to rely on his works and what he did. You've got to get to the point in your life where you say, I can't do this. I am not good enough. I never will be good enough to be adopted into God's family, to be considered a saint, to be considered one of his holy ones, to be in his family. But through Christ, we can, we can get to that place where he says, yeah, you know what? Come on in. And it's called grace. So our standing with God the Father when we are in Christ is as son or a daughter. And that's really awesome. And this is the good news. This is the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel says you don't have to stay in your sin. You don't have to stay, you know, in bondage to anything, anything. You can receive freedom in Christ. You can be adopted into God's family and become an adopted child of God. It's like a status. (laughs) We get to be in his family. Uh, Years ago, I don't know if the ministry is still around, but they had a ministry called the King's Kids. And it was, you know, it was for children's ministry. But I'm just like, that's all of us. We've said many, many times there are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God, meaning that, you know, you, your kids aren't, you know, in Christ because you are. Your kids are in Christ because they say, I want to be in Christ. It's something they have to do. They make a decision to be in Christ. So there's no grandkids in the kingdom of God. There's just king's kids. And I want to be a king's kid. I want to be in that place where I'm, I'm with him. And one of the things that's, um, as we talk about this, being God's uh, children, you can think in the concept of being his child, you think, okay, I'm okay with that. But thinking of God as your father is a whole other story. <laughs> For many, many people, I understand that, I get the fact that it, it's really challenging. Because our concept of father and who God is as a father comes from our earthly father. 
And in this room, there is the gamut of earthly fathers and how you have been treated by your earthly father. There are those who are loved and cherished by their earthly father and those who are beaten, abused, neglected, and completely ignored by their father. And then there's the whole gamut in between because there isn't a single perfect father on the planet. (laughs) The only perfect father is our heavenly father. So it can be really tough to understand how does this, you know, how does my relationship with God the Father work? So you can think, yeah, I'm a child of God. But then you think, God's my Father. Okay, wait a minute. (laughs) Uh, That's a little tougher. That's a little tougher. So one of my prayers for you today is that wherever you're at with your earthly father, that your understanding of God as Father would be that he is good. He is good. God is good. It's It's just who he is. The scriptures don't tell us that God is loving. They tell us that he is love. That's a big difference. And so as we move forward, just let that, if you struggle with that, just let that soak into your spirit that God is good. God the Father is good. He loves you and he cherishes you. And I get that from this scripture. The first one we read in Ephesians. God decided in advance, God decided a long time ago that we're in Christ, that he wants us. So what that means is our adoption in Christ as a child of God, as his daughter, as king's kids, as his son, as king's kids, is secure. The truth of our identity in Christ as as sons and daughters is just unshakable. There's a jet engine started. But knowing that truth, knowing that, okay, I belong to God, I am a child of God, and living it can be two different things. Because there's one thing that Satan does not want you to believe. He does not want you to believe that you are a child of God. He does not want you to believe that you belong to the family of God. He would love to isolate you. He would love to heap on you shame. He'd like to keep saying, you know, God, no, God's mean. God's not good. He's not good. He wants to keep you away from the family of God and keep you separate and by yourself because then he can just kick the snot out of you. But when we come together as the family of God, it's one of the reasons why we gather on a Sunday morning because we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And granted, it's tough sometimes to be with one another. (laughs) Sometimes we have some sibling rivalries going on. Sometimes we have a few fights going on and we get a little grumpy with each other. But as we grow in Christ and we mature in Christ, we start figuring out how to be brothers and sisters in Christ, how to be part of the family of God, and how to meet together and exalt and worship our Father and enjoy His presence because He enjoys us when we enjoy Him. <laughs> you know, it's like this. It, it gave Him great pleasure to make a way and to have you adopted into His family. And so on Sunday mornings, we come as the family and we celebrate that. And then we go out through the week and we hang out with brothers and sisters in Christ and we hang out with, you know, with people and we say, you know, God the Father is really good. <laughs> he is actually really awesome. And being part of the family of God is an amazing place to be. But our adoption in that is secure. And Satan doesn't want us to know that. It's really interesting. Um, I think I mentioned this in a small group. But uh, when, you, when you travel and you go to different places and you, you hang out with believers and maybe you don't even know their language or anything like that, but there's that in Christ thing going on, and you know they're brothers and sisters, there's just something about them, that you have this immediate connection. There's a familiarity about who their father is that's just really cool. It just, time and time again, it has astounded me 
We go to places that I have no clue who they are. They have no clue who I am. But yet when we worship God, maybe even different languages, I don't even know what they're singing, you know. But there's just the presence of God the Father is there. That's awesome. That's what it means to be part of the family of God. And Satan doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to have that sense of belonging. But our, our adoption is secure. 1 John 3, 1 says this. See how much or how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. That is what you are. When you are in Christ, you are his children, or his child. And there's nothing Satan can do about that. He can lie to you about it, but that's it. He can't change the fact that you are a king's kid, that you belong to him. He loves us, he loves us, he loves us. I'll say it a billion times. God is good. God the Father is good. When he looks at you, he smiles. (laughs) That's just awesome. God the Father looks at you and he smiles. It gave him great pleasure to create you. And he knows you and he loves you. And he longs to be with you and he wants you to be one of his adopted kids. He wants you to be part of his family. Another great thing about our adoption and the fact that it's secure is it's not based on our works. John 1, 12 through 13 says, But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. We talked about this earlier, the believe and accepted. He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So once again, it's secure because of what he did. So we receive that gift, right? We receive him, and we bow before him, and we give our lives to him, and his work allows us to be children of God. So it is secure. So no matter how much Satan lies to you about your being a child of God or that you don't belong, you do. If you're in Christ, you belong. God loves you. So what are the effects? How does this, how does this change our life? This one's great. When I, when I think about these ones, I always just think of, like, I've had my kids do this. I've had the grandkids do this. You know, and, and maybe, maybe you've experienced this with uh, even someone you know really well. You know, maybe a, a nephew or a niece or something like that. But you come into the room, or maybe you're sitting in a room, and they burst into the room and they say, ha! here I am. (laughs) And they're just completely confident. Sorry, Charlotte. They're just completely confident that when they come into your presence, that you're going to love them, that you're going to accept them, that they can boldly come into your presence. And that's one of the best things about being in Christ and being his child is we can boldly come into his presence. Ephesians 3.12 says it this way. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So we can enter God's presence. There doesn't have to be shame. We don't have to hunker in. When we think of God as our father, we can do that. We can bust it and say, ha ha, here I am. And he'll go, come here, (laughs) give me a hug. That's how God thinks of you. You can enter the throne room of God. (laughs) This holy place where he sits in majesty 
and honor and power and there's angels all around and they're worshiping him and they're bowing down and you as one of the king's kids get to run in there and go, here I am. And he says, ha ha, yes, come on over here. And he puts you in a headlock and rubs you. Maybe he doesn't, I don't know. That, that, that really hurt. <laughs> Sorry, just had a picture of God doing that. That would be awesome. But you need to think about that. That's what you get to do when you are his child. Another thing that we can boldly do is when we're one of his kids is you can ask him boldly without shame. So in Luke, uh, Jesus tell, he's doing a teaching on prayer and he goes through the, the Lord's Prayer and then he tells a story of a guy. He's, uh, he's home late at night and one of his buddies shows up and, uh, you know, they're out of Doritos. And, and so he's like, man, I, mean, I got my friend over here. We don't have Doritos. I got to go get some. And so he goes to his neighbor's house, and he starts pounding on the door. <laughs> he's like, dude, I got a buddy over. We don't have any munchies. Come on, we need food. And the neighbor's sleeping. He's got kids, you know. And he's getting like, he's like, I don't care. Pound on the door. Keep going. Pound on the door. I need, I need this Doritos. And this is what God says. But I tell you this. This is in Luke 11, 8. But I tell you this. Though he won't do it for his friend's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. <laughs> this is Jesus telling us how we should pray, how we should communicate, how we should enter his presence, and how we should ask for things, and how we should get in there and, and talk with him. Shameless persistence. That's boldly, boldly coming in. We can ask boldly because we're his kid. Later, a few verses later, in that same scripture, Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. I want you to come after me. I want you to be bold in your prayers. I want you to be bold in what you ask. And this isn't the name it and claim it thing. This is a relational thing. This is a, I boldly come into your presence because I know you are good. And I know that you hear me. And I know that when I talk to you, that you hear me. And it's in that place that we can boldly ask him. God, move mountains. <laughs> change my life. Change my friends, my family. Change my community. We can boldly ask him, and he hears us. That's awesome. So not only do you get to bust into the, the heavenlies, bust into the throne room of God and say, Ha, here I am. And he says, come on up here. But you can also say, you know, I need some nachos. <laughs> whatever. You know what I'm saying. You can ask boldly for things, and he'll say, okay. <laughs> and I, I get there's all kinds of other scriptures that talk about how we ask in prayer and whatnot, but I think our attitude needs to be one of confidence and boldness that he will hear us. That's the point. I think sometimes we're just so ashamed. I can't go ask God for anything because I'm a dirtbag. Or we look at our transaction with God, and it's like, okay, well, I did four bad things this week, well, okay, maybe it was 40. But I did all these bad things, and so I can't ask him for anything until I do, like, 41 good things. Because then, you know, the ledger's a little on the positive side, and that means I can actually ask him for something. But until then, I can't. That's not true. <laughs> That's not how God works. We can boldly enter his presence. So another thing that we can boldly do, and this one's going to sound a little odd, but it's true. 
when you are one of his kids, you're willing to submit to his discipline. Now, right off the bat, this is where the whole father thing can come in. Like, okay, my father's idea of discipline was, oh, wow. (laughs) Maybe your father's idea of discipline was non-existent because he wasn't there. It's just this void of fatherhood that was out there that you didn't even know. Or maybe it was just brutal for small, you know, breaking of the rules and you got wailed on. I get that, but that's not God our Father. God is good. In Hebrews 12, 5 through 6, puts it this way. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? This is God speaking to you, and these are encouraging words. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one of one he accepts as his child. Now, I know, you know, over the years, there's all kinds of ideas, especially now, the, the ideas on how to parent and how to discipline. I mean, they fly through TikTok like it's just insane. Uh, just a side note, uh, if your whole parenting source and how you're parenting is from TikTok, you should reevaluate your parenting. I'm just saying, just saying, maybe you got some people around you, ask them. <laughs> ask flesh and blood people around you, like, how should I parent? You know, ask godly people who have parented well. Ask them instead of the trends on TikTok. Because some of them are great, sure, but some of them are just like, what? What? Anyway, side note, that's, that was freebie. So, do whatever you want with that one. But, when you think of God, if you're, you know, it can be scary to think about his discipline. But what he's saying is that God disciplines those he loves. And his discipline, remember, he, it's, it's good. He is good. And he wants you to thrive. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to be alive. He wants you to boldly enter his presence and say, here I am. <laughs> but he also just doesn't want to leave you in, in your sin. He doesn't want to leave you in bondage to anything. He wants to set you free. So it can be scary to think about God's disciplining us because of our earthly fathers. Um, in Hebrews, uh, it goes on to say this. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us. Remember that. Hang on to that one. God is good, which means his discipline for us is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. His discipline is to change us and make us holy and make us be like him. We've talked about this before. Jesus, the master craftsman, he crafts us and he takes stuff off and he works us our lives so that we become like him. Which as a human being, the more you're like Jesus, the more you will thrive, the more you will flourish, the more peace you'll have, the more joy you will have, the less you'll have to deal with sin, these, these nagging sins. I'm not saying you're ever going to be perfect. I'm not saying that. But we do change. There is hope in this gospel, this good news, that we can change. And we can find life. And we can find joy here, now, in this present day. We can find the joy of the Lord. And we can find real peace. So what does always good mean? 
goes on later in verse 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. <laughs> True story. <laughs> it's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Peaceful harvest of right living. So peace and right living. That's awesome. I mean, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? So, um, with that understanding that God is good, with that understanding of who he is, we can boldly go into his presence, even when we know that he's going to probably correct us. <laughs> so that means when we do screw up, instead of going, ah, and running and hiding, like Adam and Eve, instead of running and hiding and sowing yourself some fig leaves to hide yourself, you run into his presence and you're like, forgive me. <laughs> you go to him because you know he's good. You know he's kind, right? Another scripture in Hebrews puts it this way, Hebrews 4.16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We will receive mercy so we can boldly, even when we screw up, you sin, you boldly enter his presence, and you will find mercy. And we can do that over and over again because God is good. So, um, this is weird, this story. But there was a time, like most of the, this, I agree with the scripture, like when God is correcting you, it's, 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 some, it's not fun in the moment because it's, it's harsh. Especially the more that you love him and the more you understand how your sin affects him, you know, in the sense that, you know, you grieve him, then it grieves you. So it's never fun when you're like, ah, you know, like someone you really love when you, when you hurt them or offend them. You're just like, ah, you know, that sucks. And it's not because you got caught. You really are upset because of what it did to them or what it did to your relationship. So I get that. That's true. But <laughs> this, there's one time where... Uh, we were literally going through a trial. I mean, it was actually a trial that we had to testify at. So that kind of trial, which was a trial, as is in trials and tribulations. But we were going through this, and, and it was just, we were exhausted. It was just this weird, Nancy and I were taking turns sleeping on the couch, you know, getting up at 3 in the morning because we couldn't sleep. So one night, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sleeping on the couch. And, well, I wasn't sleeping. I was laying there, kind of, you know, when you're staring at the ceiling, like, uh. And uh, I was just trying to hang out with God. And I was actually having a pretty good time. And I was reading the scriptures, and they were kind of making sense, you know, in that moment, even though it was 3 o'clock in the morning. And then I read, I don't even remember what it was. I, I'm pretty sure it was in a proverb. But it was, uh, I just remember reading it and going, that's really good. And then the Holy Spirit's saying, you're not doing that. You know, like, it was, it was or actually, it was more like you are doing that. It was, it was kind of a negative sense, you know, like, if you do this, it will lead to death type scripture. You know, or, or it'll just lead to trouble in your life. And, um, and it was funny because I was like, you're right. <laughs> and I started laughing. I started laughing. And I wasn't laughing at the Holy Spirit of the discipline. But I was like, God, you love me so much that you don't let me stay the same. You're so good. You're so loving. And it turned into this moment of worship where I was laughing because God had just taken me to the woodshed. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. And it's only happened one time. Every, <laughs> every other time it's like, ah. <laughs> but that's, that's because of who he is. Get that in your mind, like God is so, so good. Yes, he will correct you. Yes, we do not want to just go out and live 
like whatever. We don't want to sin. We, we, we want to grow and mature in Christ. We want to step into him. We want to understand who he is more because he's so good. He will change us. And that's the beauty of the gospel is that it can change you. It's just not fire insurance. It's just not so that you can, you know, you don't go to hell when you die. It's for here and now that you can be changed and that he uses you as instruments of change. Like we just saw this parable, you know, that's what the kids are talking about. You know, that God wants us to enter in this story because of his goodness and kindness to us and bring that to other people. <coughs> Excuse me. Got a tickle. But to bring that to other people. God is good. So God, our Father, is good. When we're in Christ, our adoption is secure. When we're in Christ, we can boldly enter his presence. When we're in Christ, we can boldly ask. We can boldly communicate. We can boldly talk to our Father in prayer. And when we're in Christ, one of his kids, we can submit to his discipline and not be afraid that he's going to abuse us because God is not an abuser. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand up? pray for you and worship for his excuse me oh Liz got Charlotte dang 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 well like I said I don't oh thank you like I said I don't I don't know where you're at in your understanding of who God is a father. But I just encourage you in this moment, wherever you're at, to take some time, if you want, you can sit down, you can stand up as we worship, to at least try to take a step forward into understanding that God is a good God, that God our Father is good. And wherever you're at in your relationship with him, just step into it a little further. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with him yet. Maybe you don't even know if you're one of his kids, you know. In the, in the adopted sense. I just want to say that God loves you. He cares for you. And his pleasure is to see you in relationship with him and to be with him. He loves you and he wants you. There isn't a single person who's not wanted by our Heavenly Father. So just ponder that and think about that. And let that just come out as worship, come out as prayer, come out as praise as we worship the Lord together. Amen.